bed time. I mean, I've Jesus, I've been putting kids to bed for 20 years. It is the worst part of the day. Nothing changes oh. that. It is the hardest. Especially if you're part tired of yeah, the day because work. you yeah, yeah, you are also tired. You've been using yeah. these tools all day and you're like, "Good God, will you just go to sleep?" But for That's your child, right. For your child, this is also the hardest part of the day. Yeah, is to be separated from you again. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year child care veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at jenny at jennyb.co. Let's get started. Feel like we can we can talk about sharing and apologies. We're in a really good like debate space. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's there's now. differing perspectives on uh, how to teach young children the concepts of sharing toys, belongings, etc. Not sharing feelings, sharing items. Um, so this is you know, talking about really young children and talking about apologizing. These are two kind of, they kind of get taught around the same age uh, for most kids starting, you know, around two, three, four, five. Little, right? And Play dates. And, yeah. yeah. So, so once language starts to develop and you start having kind of those logical walk through post tantrum conversations about we don't hit or we don't bite or, well, we don't take toy, you know, the ex when the explanations start, we start, you know, and we start socializing kids going out in public, sharing toys at the park, et cetera, sharing and apologizing. Those two concepts kind of start getting taught at the same time. Um, and I see most of what I have seen in parenting styles is that we are teaching children that they should share. They're supposed to share. It's expected that they share, um, that they share on an adult's timeline, not on their own timeline. And with apologizing that they, that apologies are expected and required and also on an adult's timeline. Um, even though there may not be an intrinsic feeling of guilt from a child for something that they did. And often in, Mm -hmm. in almost always, not often, always from zero to five, the, the things that children do to offend that require an apology, hitting, yelling, whatever, hurting someone, they're, they're automated responses in survival instincts. They're not they're not cognitive choices. That child didn't go, I'm going to hit you now. It's it's a reaction to someone doing something to them that they didn't like. And it's very natural. It's very developmentally appropriate. Yeah. 
And so then you take that child and you go, you say you're sorry right now. And that child is like, what, what does that mean? I'm, I don't feel sorry. I did something in response to what they did to me (laughs) and that feels correct. And also now you've shamed them. So they're going to completely shut down. They're not going to want to apologize and they're only going to go sorry because you are a big, scary parent standing over them, telling them they have to. So that serves, and that's not going to serve them later in life. So the, the issue, the reason I want to debate this with you, I want to know first, I, and again, like we haven't discussed this yet. So, you know, you get to, <laughs> you're my guinea pig and you get to work this out as, as you go, what your opinion is on this. Um, okay. always putting, we're okay. always putting you on the spot, but I'm, so when you, when you were raising kids, what were your, like, how did you teach us to share and to apologize? I made you share and apologize every chance I got from birth. Are you being facetious? And I used to hit you, and I used to <laughs> used to hit you with sticks if you didn't. Yes, I'm being <laughs> facetious. Sorry, my my sarcastic sense of humor probably does not translate to YouTube very well. You're fuzzy um, right now, so I was like, I think that's his sarcasm face, but it's really blurry. I've I've always kind of tried to keep in mind the 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 kid the development of the kid whether reasonable expectations one thing i learned early on is to distinguish is that a uh, is the kid being um i.e. you or your brothers are you are you being you know like defiant are you being willful or are you you know, is this this like impulsive? It's just just being a kid, you know, that needs mm-hmm. guidance, you know, mm-hmm. training, correction, whatever, and like like grownups do, you know, and uh, uh, so I don't rem- I don't remember asking you to apologize. I think a lot of that comes from parents. I remember I remember a, a situation with your older brother where he was much bigger than some than some of the playmates and and what and he and I would play rough, you know, he was the first and so I hadn't learned the value of teaching restraint at that point and so when he when he played rough with other kids there was a an expectation by some people to get an apology when somebody got roughed up more than they wanted to. You know, he was just same age and stuff, but he was on the big side. And so I'm sure that left scars on him. We'll have to have him on the program and talk about what being big for his age was like when he was wee little. Um, I didn't feel too much pressure as a parent to, well, and this was the, the incident I'm talking about was with a family member. And so I didn't feel too much like kids will be kids and stuff happens. And, you know, I didn't feel particularly the need to please the other people, you know, to apologize for the behavior of the child. Yeah, I wasn't there, but neither were you. And, you know, it's like, okay, let's move on. There's any, nobody's dying. We don't need to go to the hospital. Okay. You know, let's pick up the pieces and, and move on. Um, I don't think, you know, I remember being kind of conscious of 
behavior, but not of the kids, but kind of took the approach of, well, kids need to be kids, and there are times where kids are too young to share, to expect to be, to expect to share or, or be, uh, or apologize. I, we pro- I, I can imagine expecting a kid to say they apologize, even if they don't understand it at whatever age, if they're able to make the offense, then they're, I think they're maybe ready to be trained, not fully ready. Like you would explain it. Developmentally not ready. Typically till at least the age of four brains, not developed enough to understand the concept of sharing. And so it's not just like, Oh, I'm trying to teach, I'm starting to teach them at two so that by four, when their brain understands it, they get it. That's not how that works. When so you're like trying if you to teach force, them too early, it can be bad. They will ha- have it an aversion to it, or they it will just cause a disconnect between you guys because your child is like, you don't understand me, and you keep trying to force these things on me that I like, and trying to make me do things that I don't mm. understand. I'm not capable of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. And so there will just be. Uh, it, it's just yet another wall between you and your child instead of yeah. seeing your two-year-old struggling to share and using curiosity, like we've talked about before and you come down mm-hmm. and instead of jumping in and, and creating a solution immediately and ordering people around, you go mm-hmm. over to the situation. Maybe it's your child and a stranger child at the park in the sandbox with a toy. They're fighting over the shovel. And you walk over, you see the struggle and you walk over and you say, oh, hey, what's going on? And then maybe your child or their child starts saying, I want the shovel. No, I want the shovel. No, I want the shovel. Say, oh, okay. I'm going to hold the shovel while we, while we talk about this for a minute. Or, hey, yo, stop doing that. I'm going to hold this shovel. We're going to talk about it. Okay. Different personalities, whatever. Not everything is gentle, (laughs) whatever. Okay. I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold the shovel while we, while we chat about this. Okay. Everybody calm down. Um, Hey, you know, I saw that, that our friend over here was using the shovel um, and then you wanted the shovel. And so did you take the shovel? And they'll be like, yeah, I took the shovel because I wanted it. Okay. Well, you know, that's not something that we can do. We can't just take shovels from people because that, you know, that's really upsetting. Um, so we're going to let our friend, so this is coming from the perspective that stranger child has, was playing with it first and you witnessed all of this. Okay. That may right. or may not be the situation. Hand, you're right. you're going to say, before you even hand the shovel back to your child, because that'll be very, a very triggering moment, you need to mm-hmm. make, get your child calm and let them know that's what's going to happen. And then mm-hmm. get some sort of acknowledgement from your child, whether it's an agreement or not, an acknowledgement from your child that they understand that that's what's about to happen. Instead of just like, I'm going to hand it back to them now and you're going to be okay with it. Because that mm-hmm. motion, all they're going to see is that, and they're going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. So you're you're purposefully <laughs> triggering them by not waiting to hand the shovel back. Okay, let's take a breather. I saw that you took it from him, um, and I understand that. I understand that you wanted the shovel. I know it's hard to wait for the toys that you want to play with because it's so much fun, or it's so exciting, or you know, I know it's hard. It's hard to wait, yeah. um, and yeah. that's not how we play with friends. 
So Mm. I'm going to hand the shovel back to our friend over here and we're going to let him play with it until he decides he's done and wants to put it down or give it to you to play with. And then Mm. wait for some kind of acknowledgement from your child. Okay. Or if they start screaming and losing their mind, you might need to hand off the shovel, pick up your child and go regulate together and have another conversation depending on how it goes. Now in the opposite situation, if your child had the shovel and this stranger friend came over and took it out of your child's hand, your child is upset. You walk over to the situation, say, Oh my goodness, what happened? He took my shovel. Oh, that's, that's so frustrating. You know, I don't like it when people take things from me either. Do you want to talk to your friend about it? Let's talk about it. Okay. And we talk to the stranger child friend. Maybe other parent has wandered over. Um, I tend I tend to be pretty confident in those situations. And so I will just take the reins and have a conversation, even if it's a child I don't know. Some people may not be comfortable with that. And you want to talk to the parent and you guys address it together. Um, but if you're the one addressing the situation and you want to teach your child appropriate age appropriate sharing skills um the reality is so we're always focused on real world skills um and then taking those and um diluting them down to the age that your child is so mm-hmm. a 25 year old's grown adult skill for sharing is that i don't have to share anything that belongs to me with anyone. That is not a real world requirement. If I own it, it's mine. So we take that real world concept. We go, how do we, what kind of person do we want our child to grow up to be? Do we want our child to be a generous person from the heart, not out of guilt or shame that they have to give their belongings or their money away? Um, especially, you know, mm-hmm. we, you work for that, you earn that, you, you know, there's an energetic exchange for earning the things that you earning the money that allows you to buy the things that you own. Right. And there's no requirement for you to mm-hmm. share those things with others. Mm-hmm. It comes from sharing comes from the heart. And so if we take that concept and we want our kid to be a socially loving, generous human being, um, and we dumb that down to a two-year-old's brain a two-year-old who does not understand what sharing is or the concept that it belongs to me and that's the end of the story, then we take mm-hmm. the shovel and we say, oh, that's so frustrating when someone takes something from you. Um, you know, did you have, you were playing with the shovel, you were digging in the sand. Yeah, I was. Okay. So maybe what you can say to this friend right now is I was playing with that and when I'm done with it, I'll come give it to you or I'll put it down so that you can come play with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. depending on your two-year-old's brain stage development. Development um, or whatever, yeah. Like that's a pretty straightforward way of saying you don't have to hand something over just because someone else comes along and wants to play with it. Sharing is not and a real-world requirement. And... But But if you put it down, it is kind that once you are done, once you don't want to play with it anymore, because that is absolutely inevitable is that you will not now want to play with this toy that belongs to the park or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can 
handed over out of social kindness, right? And being a, yeah. a culturally adept human being. Um, That's right. The other piece Moving of this is if, if that shovel, if you brought that shovel to the park and that is your child's toy, it's not a toy that was in the sandbox at the park, it's your child's toy. So now that's slightly different conversation where we we would say something like, oh, we brought this shovel to the park. This is his shovel. You know, can you hand that back to him, please? This is our shovel from home. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. child hands it over. Maybe parent helps child hand it over um, back to your child. And then you can say to both children, but to your child specifically, we brought that from home. So that's going to come home with us. But if you want to give your friend a turn with it, that's up to you. You can do that. And sometimes mm-hmm. the kid will be like, no, Keep it's mine. Them. And go back to doing what they were doing. And sometimes they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I can give them a turn and and just, and they'll do mm-hmm. it. And then they'll want it back. And you'll probably have to have the same conversation three minutes later. But, um, mm-hmm. but teaching what the, the conversation that I see happen the most at the park is there are two children playing There's a shared toy that belongs to the park. So it belongs to no one. It just exists Mm. at the park. The city provided it Mm -hmm. junk donation toy, whatever, throw it in the park. Mm -hmm. Um, And two kids want the same toy. One kid's playing with it. One kid comes along, tries to steal it. I see both parents approach the situation. Parent of the child who was playing with the toy explains to that child, well, you've, you've been playing with it for a while. Let's give, let's share. It's important to share. Let's give this other child a turn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of no, my child was playing with that. Your child took it. Can you please hand it back when he's done playing mm-hmm. with it? Your child can have a turn, but I see this, I see this automatic submission to and and it's in the interest of of avoiding conflict with another parent. It has nothing to do with the kids. It's two parents approaching a situation where there is potential conflict mm. between their offspring and they are mellowing the situation instead of actually mm-hmm. addressing and teaching the lesson that needs to be taught because they don't want to hurt each other's yeah. feelings, they don't want to offend each other and everyone just wants to play nice and be happy. And like that's They've not how the world works either. Then teaching it's they're they're deviating from their primary job being teaching their children to, yeah. you know, getting along at their at their level, and the kids kind of become pieces in the game. Yeah, yeah. So and so they they you know parents come up and they're and it's oh let let them have a turn and and oh thanks great okay and then maybe the other parent says you know and and when you're done with it maybe you can give it back to that child and and then everyone walks away happy and cooled off um except for your child Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. was wronged in the first place and you didn't stand up for them and your child is now pissed off upset maybe they want to leave the park maybe like whatever they're having a tantrum because they were wronged and a tantrum is an appropriate response to that situation (laughs) for a (laughs) two-year-old for a two-year-old who has no conflict resolution skills, no understanding of the concept of sharing. All they know is that I was playing with this toy and having a good time and someone came and ripped it out of my hands and my protector person guide said, that's okay. And 
shoves me away. Like I like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that sense of injustice is like oh it's so it's so real it's so raw it's so and yeah. it's there it's there it's it's ingrained we're born with that um, and so when our it caregivers yeah. lose sight of focusing on what the children need actually need for long term long term learning. Um, long-term mm-hmm. development and instead choose to do this socially like passive thing. It's just, it's just, that's part of why there's so many people walking around with anxiety and depression because they're like, I don't know how the fuck to navigate life because nobody ever actually taught me. I was just taught to give shit away and feel guilty all the time. Yeah. And I'm a shitty person. And if I don't work work yeah. hard according to a specific set of rules and I don't um, earn this specific amount of money and I don't do these specific things in this box, then I'm not successful, worthy, you know, all, all of it. And so yeah. it's just. I'm not fulfilling these these rules I don't necessarily understand. But it make no sense to me. Like rules. intrinsically, I'm like, why? like this doesn't yeah. feel right. This doesn't feel. Doesn't feel right. right. Yeah. And then yeah. you walk around having no one ever stood up for you your whole life. And I'm, you know, I'm umbrella a very tiny and, moment yeah. into an entire lifetime. But yeah. there's there are these key moments in our parenting that get repeated. We talked about this on one of yeah. our last episodes, the micro traumas or the invisible yeah. trauma, yeah. the invisible trauma yeah. that happens at, from parent to child um, along the way. And they're tiny, they're tiny moments, but they're repeated. And they're constant for 18 years. And it shapes our beliefs about the world and about ourselves as we grow up. And then we're lost as adults. Yeah. It's good to, it's good to be cognizant of those and minimize that. There's a, there's a, uh, a parallel concept, a movie, unacceptable levels is, uh, you know, there are acceptable levels of roundup and, and, Chemi- yeah. you know, chemicals in food, rat poop, and in your chocolate. It a yeah, it, you know, it, uh, okay, uh, a little bit is fine, but it does accumulate. You know, sometimes it does accumulate to, yeah. or there's enough of there. Sure, you can have a little bit of Roundup, but if you have a little bit of 760 chemicals in some something you're using, it's like yeah, that's probably not an acceptable level of combinations of things, and so yeah, yeah it's good not to. Good to good to minimize the little stuff if you can too. Well, and the stuff that we think is little is not is not little. It's everything that that we talk about. The moments are quick. The concepts are huge. So applying yes child development to parenting. I think honestly, I think seventy five percent of of parenting poor parenting decisions would be solved if everyone was required to take child development classes before they became a parent now i don't want to get into talking yeah yeah but there's but child like child development like year by year the basics of like what your kids do and don't understand what they are and are not capable of understanding um and when to teach these things and you know 
each child's brain and whether they're neurotypical, neurodivergent, neuro spicy, whatever version of, you know, child you get, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're going to develop at slightly different ages and stages, but it's all, it's, you know, the middle of the, of the, of your bell curve. There's there's a, there's a typical predictable. yeah. Yeah. And so not every child, the minute they turn four is going to understand the concept of sharing. Um, that is a general number, uh, Mm -hmm. a developmental stage, you know, in studies, um, your kid might be four and a half. There might be some kids at three and a half really grasp the, under the, the concept of sharing. Um, but yeah, so, so that's sharing. Apologizing is a big one. Apologizing is a big shaming. It's a, here's, here's what I want to say. Apologizing, the way that we teach children to apologize creates some of the biggest, most long living roadblocks to empathy that I've ever seen. Hmm. Hmm. How so? Teaching. So te- we te- kids learn by observing, right? Kids copy their parents. Period. The end. If you want to, if you want to solve parenting, be the person you want your child to be. Stop yelling at your kid. If you don't want your kid to yell at you, stop belittling your kid. If you don't want your kid to mouth off to you, stop like respect your child. They'll respect you. Find another way. Yeah. Yeah. But to teach apologizing to a two, three, four, five year old is really difficult. Um, One, because they're still figuring out what empathy is. They still don't have any fucking clue what's going on around them in the world. And all they are are little, their emotions on legs, right? So they're running around surviving and having emotions. Mm-hmm. They have survival <laughs> instincts, yeah. automatic reactions, and they have emotions and that's it. And so we are their regulation. We are teaching them. We are calming them down. We are their safe place. Um, and yeah. so when a child hits, bites, scratches, causes harm, physical harm in some way, uh, which are the common complaints at that age. One, those are developmentally normal. They're supposed to do that. If your child doesn't do that, it's actually abnormal um, and rare. So if your child goes through a biting phase, a hitting phase, a grabbing phase, a pulling hair phase, when they're frustrated, that is proof that their, their brain is working. Their body goes into, um, they get so much energy, whether it's, whether it's angry energy or excited energy, they get so much energy from their emotions that they have to release it physically somehow. Um, and, Uh, so they do things that are, when you're an adult are socially unacceptable and cause a lot of harm. But when they're little, it's like, oh, I got slapped by a three-year-old. Like it didn't feel good, but I'm fine. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and our reaction to that is often, oh, no, we do not hit. No, absolutely not. That is not okay. You go to your room or you go to timeout or you apologize right mm-hmm. now. You're bad. Instantaneous shame of like, yeah. Like a parent, the person who's supposed to love you the most in the world, no matter Mm -hmm. what, 
judging you, shaming you and, and create in, and immediately creating a block between you and them disconnection. Yeah. Nope. I'm going to disconnect from you now because you, you, yeah. you what an egregious <laughs> aggression you, uh, Oh my God. I have no words. I always lose my words. You, uh, committed against me. Well, it's a, it's not a teaching. You're, you're stepping out of teaching and I mean, you can't always stop and explain, but you're stepping out of the role as a, as a teacher and a grower of children and you're just becoming the police or, you know, you're just becoming an authority. And I, and I can see, you know, okay, you're about to hit your kid's about to hit another kid with a brick or, you know, something ridiculously damaging. Okay. That's like, stop now, go away. We'll talk about this later. Right, but there we're needs preventing to be a teaching death. moment about it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's I, I I get that you know sometimes it's called for, but um, yeah, as a rule, I think I think I probably say this too much, but you know, uh, we're here to guide and teach kids, mostly by our mostly by our actions. You know, God help us, we're we're imperfect too. Um, well, and by how we respond, so our kids. To be a good ex- our kids yeah. feel feel outbound like the structure of life and the boundaries of life and what is okay and learning how to self master like oh so instead of hitting my mom i can go smack the couch or hit a pillow or you know there are other options and ways to move that energy out of your body um Have but a kids bag test or something get rid kids of the learn what those boundaries are, what is and isn't okay by doing the wrong thing. And they don't know that it's wrong and they're not doing it on purpose. Um, They're doing it because that's what their body is telling them to do and they need to release that energy. And so our job is to be calm and capable of handling these things and guiding them. Like in theory, yeah, in theory, we have gone through enough life to be able to handle when the teeny tiny one does something wrong and teach them so that when mm-hmm. they become big, they don't do it anymore. But we get so focused yep. on them never doing it again at the age of three that we're mm-hmm. like, we're so impatient about it and so shocked when mm-hmm. it happens. And it's like kids mm-hmm. have been hitting and biting literally since the beginning of time, it's normal. It's developmentally appropriate. It's how they move energy out of their body. Your yeah. job is to teach them other ways to move that energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I was saying at the outset is, you know, kids are, you have to expect kids to act like kids. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you take a cool new buzzy battery operated toy that every four-year-old is going to want to play with, to a birthday party or to a family gathering and expect all the four-year-olds not to want to grab it. That's just an unrealistic expectation. Don't take that toy to the park. (laughs) If you you can take pool, I remember having a a talk with you guys about pool toys or lake toys. It's like, well, if you're going to, yeah, you can take a raft, you can take a noodle, but you're going to have to be prepared to share it. Right, because somebody else is going to want to get on Why? it, and if you leave it alone, if you set it, if you set it down, somebody's going to want to jump on it because it's unattended. Mm, 
Okay. Right. If you go to the swimming pool or something like that, it's like be prepared for the if you take a shiny toy, be prepared for the battle is all yeah. I'm saying. And so if yeah. you don't want the battle, if they're not ready, if it's a two year old, maybe you don't take the toy, you know, so that yeah. you don't create the situation. You don't set up. Don't set them up to fail is what right. is where I'm trying to get. Yes. You know, it's not. Yeah. Don't don't make them make that choice yet you know, or, or require them to share or, or create the drama. So, well, and so when, you so when your child, when your child smacks you, cause they felt like it. Um, yeah. Cause they're, the, out of, the know, goal they're out of their mind, uh, is to not stimulated. have, is to, is to not have that like, <sighs> reaction right and that will take you time like if that's your reaction that will take time to master but to just you know maybe stop their hands you know hold their hands for a second while you take a deep breath or whatever your tactic (laughs) is to center yourself before you respond but pause and and say I'm not gonna let you hit me and you know just hold their hands down and say, if you know, my favorite that has worked sparklingly is acting. I'll act out with a little surprise, not shock and shame, but like, like surprised curiosity. Oh, like I noticed something. Oh, it looks like your body needs to move. Like, oh, you have some pent up energy because you're angry right now. Do you want to go hit a pillow? Mm. Do you want to do you want to dance it out? Do you and I'll start doing it because it distracts them instantaneously, too. And then but they also then feel. Oh, I do have all this pent up energy. I am mad and I want to hit something. Okay, so let's do that first. Address that first. Get that energy out of their body. Talking to them and trying to explain the rules while they feel that, they're just going to keep trying to hit you. That's the thing, yeah. They're just going to keep trying to hit you. little ones are not prepared for (laughs) logic and reason. Yeah. So your three-year-old reaches out and smacks you in the face because you're trying to ask her to eat her broccoli, and she doesn't want to. Okay. Oh, Oh, do you need to get, de- oh, we need to wiggle. Oh, I see there's wiggles stuck in your body. Let's wiggle it out or, or, <laughs> you know, grab their, you know, if they're on the floor already, you know, oh, you've got dancing arms and just like start, like just, oh. just transform the energy. It's so simple. <laughs> it's so simple to take that and say, and help them identify. And it's not just a redirection, like distraction. It's actually a redirection that teaches them to identify that feeling for themselves in the future and do it differently to their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see your body acting out your feeling. Here's another way to do that. That won't hurt anybody. That's a teaching moment for sure. Yeah. Um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Dance around, get rid of energy without, cause that, I mean, that's even the key with a, with a lot of kids. It gets to be the end of the night. You've been, you're overseeing friends or you've done something where the, the kids are off schedule. Right. And so they're getting cranky cause they're tired and they're running and, you know, they go, they, they are doing physical things to not just lay down and go to sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, getting, getting kids to expend energy, wear them out before the, before the nap, you know, take them for a walk, take them to the park, let them run, Mm -hmm. let them get rid of that. Let them get rid of that in whatever, 
I guess, is it fair to say that uh, it's not just emotional, but I mean, there's all kinds of things that charge up a kid that give them energy and just letting them discharge that energy. Well, it's all connected. Your your emotions, your body function, it's all your brain, your body, your feelings. It's all the, it's all intertwined. They're all enmeshed together. They're not separate things. Um, and yeah, getting kids outside that solves 90% of parenting problems, by the way, just becoming aware of stand on the ground ourselves (laughs) as parents is probably true. Yeah. Get outside, run around, make loud noises, put on music, Go to the park. Blow the stink off, as my mother used to tell me. Go outside, oh but you know she gets sick of you being inside. Go outside, Go and blow, blow the stink, the stink off. off. That's hilarious. <laughs> but seriously, being outside, like we are, we, you know, being stuck in houses all day was not video games, screens, not the know, way we were meant I, to live. I am not. I'm not parenting now, but boy, that does not seem like a good idea. Letting, you know. Let my sitting around the house all day. Out. You know, I, sitting around the house, playing video games, uh, giving screens to young kids, uh, whatever blue light and whatever else yeah. it does, you know, eh, they need to be out playing hide and seek with each other or something. Yeah. That you mentioned bedtime. kind of makes us afraid of uh, people disappearing. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's, that's a whole other episode. Bedtime. Um but you mentioned bedtime, and that's another one where kids' bodies, you know, kids start to act out physically when they know bedtime's getting close. Um, one, either because they know yeah. that it's about to be bedtime and they're trying to, like, ex- you know, get all of those little experiences in before they have to lay down and be still. Who wants or, to sleep? It's boring to sleep. I don't want to sleep. <laughs> or, yeah, because they are tired, but they're trying to show that they're not because they don't want to be yeah, tired yeah. because kids wake up with nothing yeah. but excitement for the day. Um, yeah. and exploring the world and learning new things. And so getting, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of jokes. There's a, a stereotype of dads wrestling with kids before going to bed and moms get frustrated because, um, they're riling the kids up. And in some situations yeah. that's true. But a lot of times it's exactly what the kids need, especially if they're already yeah, if doing it themselves, then maybe they need yeah. a five minute tickle session. Maybe they need you to throw yeah. them on the bed six times and get all that Something adrenaline that out of their out. body. Yeah. yeah. Get them wrestling with you. So they physically are tired. If you're just poking them and teasing them and stuff, that's not too helpful. But if it's actually physically wearing them out, yeah. that's exactly what's called for. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they also, it's it's not just that it is, it is that getting that physical energy, that last push of the day out of their bodies. Um, it's fun and it's connecting. So they, they, they bedtime, especially if your children sleep in a separate room than you, um, Mm -hmm. is a time of separation and, as yep. human beings, as little tiny humans who know their only survival is on is based on you and being connected to you and close to you, it is literally a separation at bedtime for them. And so that causes anxiety yeah. and it causes behaviors yeah. to act out and they will yeah. want to do something that makes you connect with them. 
They don't know how to yep. express that. They don't know yep. that in their brain. We know that from yep. studying them. And so they want to connect. And the more connection you can give them at bedtime, whether it's through play and then baths and then reading um, or however you connect at bedtime, and it will depend on your child, but a lot of children need a little rough housing before bedtime. Um, they need yeah. to have some fun. They need to get out of breath. They need to feel connected and touched and, and held yeah. in that way. And then you can transition into like the lavender bath and reading the books and snuggling and singing songs mm -hmm. together. And mm -hmm. then we calm down into bedtime. The reassurance yeah, the and the connection yeah. is so key. And so bedtime, I mean, I've, Jesus, I've been putting kids to bed for 20 years. It is the worst part of the day. Nothing changes uh, that. It is the hardest especially if you're part tired. of yeah, the day because work. you, yeah, yeah, you are also tired. You've been using yeah. these tools all day and you're like, good God, will you just go to sleep? But for <laughs> your child, right. for your child, this is also the hardest part of the day Yeah, give is it to up. be separated Don't from you again. Yeah. I remember doing some of that as much as I could with you kids. Um, I used to come in, lay down with you, and talk when I put you to bed. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite times of the day is just sitting there chit-chatting, whether it was wrestling or whatnot, and uh, trying to do that. That came natural. That was um, that was a real blessing. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to do that because we had some good talks. Remember well, yeah, especially when your kids get older. Tickle, see who could make who tickle. You I know? remember that. I remember tickling you. <laughs> see, 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 if you could, I'd sit there and not, not laugh as much as I could and would figure out who was ticklish where. Yeah, I good stuff. That. But it was bonding. You know, it was it yeah. was spending times together, winding down, chance to talk. Never got into reading. I remember trying to read to you guys when you were a little bit older. Probably the Lord of the Rings or something. It was probably something I liked or you didn't. But I remember I remember storybooks, little little oh uh, spot the pony spot the pony. Spot the the little golden the roly poly golden globe books, golden poly puppy. The roly poly like puppy. That. Yeah, golden book and Dr. Seuss and stuff. I remember reading. Was the there a wheat, chicken one? The hen and the wheat. The hen the hen that made bread and no one would help her, like, grow the wheat, harvest the wheat, make the bread, and oh. then they all came and smelled the bread, and they wanted to eat the bread, oh, but she was like, you didn't help make it. I know. The I'm little right, red hen or something uh, like that. Something like that, yeah. I have to look that one up. But those golden, golden something books, golden years books or something. More. Like a lot of those kids, actually you know, teach a, lessons that I don't agree with. And a story for kids. Yeah. The Rolly Polly well, Puppy. You know, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. There's a lot of horrific yeah. stuff. There's a lot of really like. Yeah, all those fairy tales were made to scare children into submission. <laughs> so that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not all good. It's not all fun but the conversation and the, like you're saying the bonding the the spending time together and and building trust you know getting rid of fear and you know i'll be right out here yeah it's time to go to bed i need you to lay down now i you know and yeah. uh, trying to burn off some energy and stuff but reassuring you that everything was okay and you know do you want the door cracked and that's yeah. all good stuff 
if you can. I also remember losing my crap a couple of times when I couldn't get somebody, get Josh or you or, you know, couldn't get somebody to bed and haven't had yeah. a day well, myself. Well, that's going to happen too. You know, it's not, it's not perfect, you know, but, uh, but you should, but you, you weren't losing your shit and, every single night or five nights a week or, yeah, you know, yeah. once in a while. Yeah. It was, I was, we were lucky. Everybody loses their shit. We were lucky. It was, you know, I'm sure there are families where it is every night, you know, alcohol. And I always try to keep in mind when we're having these talks, other, other, you know, we were pretty straight middle class family, you know, but they're lucky in a lot of ways. There's no huge health problems, no, no alcoholism, um, at least not when you were young. <laughs> that, uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you guys, we, we were pretty, we were pretty middle of the road, middle of the bell curve. There's my work, my bell curve. And, um, there are families where this is more challenging and more valuable. Therefore. Yeah. Well, so um, I want to get back yeah. to, I want to get back to sharing and apologizing because there's. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm not, no, it's, it's fine. I took us. We I'm went a lots of places. Tonight. Um. Yeah. Well, also like, welcome back, happy belated Father's Day. Our Father's Day episode didn't record. Wouldn't record. We spent three hours trying to make the technology work, and like six different Technical things went wrong. Um. It wasn't even just one thing. It was multiple things. We would get one thing working, and then. So anyway, I am back from my honeymoon. I am back from. Well, that I'm back from the honeymoon. We tried to record last week and had so many technical difficulties that we were just like, we just called it um, flatlined. And so we are back this week and we will have another guest for next week's episode. My friend, Caitlin, um, who is a coach for moms and, um, yeah, so we are so welcome back to us. <laughs> um, yeah, there's one back other on thing the trail. that I was going to update uh, on, but I'll do that later. So, sharing, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to specify about the concept of sharing um, and or apologizing, sharing, teaching, apologizing. That that was it, teaching kids to apologize mm. when so that it comes from them actually feeling sorry and not from y being forced to just say the words. So if your child does hit you, internal motivation stuff, I went a different yeah. direction. I went to, to how to translate the energy into something else instead of focusing on the apology. So mm -hmm. once you've transmuted mm -hmm. the energy in the room, you're calm, your child's calm. Let's discuss an apology. Um, one, your kids are going to learn how to apologize because you apologize to them. If you mess up mm -hmm. or if you, you know, accidentally, you know, you're doing stuff and poke them in the eye or something. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to poke you. Are you okay? Um, so they're going to learn to apologize by watching you apologize either to them or to Demonstrate, your spouse yeah. or whatever. Um, but they are also yeah. going to learn to apologize by you coaching them to apologize, but it can't be, it has to be coaching. It can't be forced, coerced, punished. Um, and if your child doesn't apologize, you have to be okay with that, especially in those zero to five years. Um, because 
like, let's be honest, I don't always feel sorry for the things that I do. Uh, sometimes I feel incredibly justified and like my response was exactly what you deserved. And that's rare, but it happens. And so sometimes that's if your child, though, not, yeah. Right. But what I'm saying is like, as an adult, you need to translate reality down to your kid, not force some uh, yeah. shiny yeah. version of existence on them. Um, some shiny version yeah. of morality that isn't real world. And so if your child, so, so let's just use the same example. Your child smacks you. So you're not in public, you know, you're not, they didn't hit another child. Like they hit you. You're in the home. Okay. How do we deal with this? First, transmute and regulate. Dance party. Oh, I see your body. Oh, I see your anger. Your frustration is coming out of your body. We need, you got to move that body. You got wiggle arms, get the wiggles out, whatever Mm -hmm. you choose to Mm do. Then, hey, you know, when you hit mommy or daddy or whatever your identifying parent name is, um, Mm -hmm. when you hit me, that really hurt. Um, Do you remember what we do when we hurt somebody, especially if it was an accident and we didn't mean to hurt them? And depending Mm -hmm. on how many times you've had this conversation with your child, they'll either have an answer or they won't. Um, but then you coach them into, yeah, we apologize. Do you remember how to say, I'm sorry? They'll be, you know, they might think about it or they might, I don't know, want to run off and play and be completely ignoring you, but hopefully you've engaged them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're paying Not attention with it. Yeah. And, um, you say, yeah, when I accidentally hit you, I, you know, I always say, I'm sorry. That's how we try to help each other feel better. So, um, you know, whenever you're ready to apologize, you know, depending on their age, it's so hard to give examples. You can say whenever you are ready to apologize, you, you know, I'm here and I'm not mad at you. Um, cause then you make them feel safe enough to be vulnerable and apologize to admit fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. if you're just mad and shaming and blaming them, they are never going to want to apologize to you. They're going to feel scared mm-hmm. to let that guard down. Apologizing mm-hmm. is vulnerable and that takes a lot of strength and courage to be vulnerable. Um, and so you could even say something like, I know that you didn't mean to hit me. I know that you were really frustrated. I know you didn't mean to hurt mommy. So it's okay. And if you want to say you're sorry, that's okay too. And if you aren't ready to say you're sorry, that's also okay. Do you have any questions? You know, Hmm. and they might be like, okay, They might just be like, I'm sorry, mommy, you know, depending on their age, or they might have a question Mm -hmm. or they might just be like, okay, and run back and play. And your kid Mm -hmm. might be a kid who needs to go process what you just said to them before they're going to be able to come back to you Mm -hmm. and talk about it. Like I, I'm Mm -hmm. like that. I need to go away and process what happened. And then I'm going to come back and apologize. Because <laughs> yeah. in that moment, I'm well, mad. And it, yeah. You know? And, and that's if an authentic I, way to be. Yeah. I think. If you're if it's not a clearly I just poked you in the eye and really hurt you for no reason kind of offense where you could like immediately go, ooh, you know, oops, I'm sorry. You know, if there's a if it's a yeah. grown like I was saying like before, if it's a complicated grown up situation. 
Um, sometimes you got to go process and find out you're, you know, realize you're wrong. Yeah. Or you, or you owe somebody an apology anyway, you know. When a lot of times for me, this is true for me, but it, I know it's also true for a lot of other people is that I, you know, I grew into an adult who I, I very rarely felt safe apologizing to someone that I was really close to, not friends. I would apologize to friends if I screwed up or whatever, but in intimate mm -hmm. partnerships, um, one, you know, I dated losers, so I rare, you know, it was usually them screwing up, but I wasn't, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect either. And, but there were a lot of times. It's a good were, thing. Yeah, no. There were a lot of times where I, it wasn't even that they wanted an apology and I refused. It was just more like, I felt justified because my response to them was appropriate yep. for what they did to me. And you, you felt, you felt it was appropriate. Okay. It felt justified. It, it was like, well, you did this. And yeah. so of course I responded like that. You jackass. <laughs> and that doesn't, that's not mm. a healthy relationship either. Um, and if someone wrongs mm. you, the thing to do is not to wrong them back. Um, it's to be like, Hey, don't that wrong hurt. For wrong. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, but I was never thing. with, yeah. I was never with a partner. I do remember being forced to apologize when I was not sorry, when I was very little, I have very early memories yeah. of being forced yeah. to apologize, like just literally say the words to satisfy an adult's request, um, to say the yep. words, um, I'm sorry. So I don't, I, I don't, I some of that too feel, I don't remember learning an authentic apology. I only, mm -hmm. in my, in my memory, I only remember apologizing because I had to in order for whatever you conflict. Being, I, yeah. Yeah. I can remember instructing you to apologize because I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. Right. Hey, it's time to apologize. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when your kids are older, how, it's like, that's the I end would've. of the conflict. So now you all apologize to each other. Yeah. But none of us actually felt yeah. sorry. Yeah. We just did it because you told us to, and we all wanted to move on with our lives. Yeah. Cause it was, cause it was, that's right. Cause otherwise it was going to go on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I never, it was, not, it was not that emotionally intelligent. You know, the why was not uh, worked out. But your intention was wonderful, right? And that's really important, too, to point out is that just because, you know, I probably sounded judgmental when I was describing the parents coming together at the park and and doing the socially passive thing, like, that's also a survival mm -hmm. skill. You've also been socialized mm -hmm. to do that as a parent. So the point of these podcasts is not to shame parents. Um, it's... it's right to present better education because we now have more information and to critically think about our actions yeah. as parents and leaders of the next generation. And yeah. so apologizing, it took 
Lewis, meeting Lewis and having a partner strong enough mm -hmm. to talk to, to deeply discuss <laughs> things. Yeah, and I, I had to work it out for myself too. Cause I would tell him, I was like, I don't feel sorry. And I'm not just going to say, I'm sorry. Cause I don't feel sorry. And that feels like I'm lying to you. And I, I, and we had these, like, we would have these really big conversations where I was like, I, I know how frustrated you are. And I know that you deserve an apology and I don't feel sorry. And I'm not withholding it from you on purpose. I'm trying to figure out why I don't feel bad about it. And go. so there was there a whole go. other level we had to get to of why yeah. I felt justified doing what I did back to him yeah. and why I didn't yeah. feel bad bad about it. I didn't feel, it wasn't even like a lack of empathy. Cause I, cause I knew how he felt. And I was like, mm -hmm. I know that you deserve an apology that you did not deserve for me to do that to you. But I feel, That's right. I still feel justified. And so we had to discuss why I felt justified in doing what I yeah. did and figure yeah. that out. And, or, I'm and then there was also, there's also a piece of it where he, his understanding of apologizing was that's how you end every conflict is everyone just apologizes right. to each other. And I was like, I was that is not how Guys, that goes. when they have a fight <laughs> at school or something is, you know, however it gets resolved, it, you know, it's like shake hands and say you're sorry. That's just the, for, that's just the social form, you yeah. know. It's like wearing a gown to graduation. It's it's just a convention. You don't have to mean it, but you do have to say it. <laughs> yeah. You do have to do it. And, uh, yeah, that's not exactly the the best emotional education ever. An apology is not something that makes everything okay. That's not its purpose. Yeah. yeah. An apology an, is something that comes from comes from an internal feeling that I have harmed another human being and that was yeah, not my it's intention. An acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement yeah, it's an and we're taking it's, it's responsibility for yourself. Hopefully a plan to try to do different in the future, you know, yeah. as far as you can. The yeah, because otherwise why apologize that, if you're if you're if you're gonna do it again yeah. in the future, if your intention yeah. is to repeat the behavior, then don't fucking apologize. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, and conversely, if you keep apologizing for the same thing, then that there's a disconnect there. You know, you're not, you're not uh, following, you're not really that sorry kind of thing. That's, well, and it takes unfortunately, time. Unfortunately, there is. It takes time to, and I just want to plug in there that yeah, in a relationship, yeah. everyone has behavior patterns that they are trying to change and it does not happen overnight. The behavior will repeat it itself and you will have another conversation yeah. and there will be another yeah. apology. And that is reality. Those stupid quotes that are like, yeah. if you are someone that's sensitive to yelling and you meet someone <laughs> and you tell them once that to never yell at you again and they do, then that's not yeah. your person. It's fucking bullshit. Good luck. That's a, that's a 16, <laughs> Finding a long -term mind, 16 year old, right? Some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't believe just because it's on the internet, don't believe it. You might get lucky yeah, and run of, into a, a person who doesn't yell. You might get lucky and just yeah. run into that person. But good luck yeah, with expecting behavior to. changes instantaneously and overnight. Instantaneously. And not yelling. Anyway. Uh half of those half of those people are just suppressing things. They're gonna explode one day. 
Yeah. Or they have found, or they found healthy coping skills. Go, don't, don't coexist all the time. You know, you got to keep your feelings under control to have a critical thought. And it takes critical thought to figure out your feelings sometimes. And that's just, that's what being a grown up, part of what being an adult is, is figuring out how to, how to get, navigate that, you know? Yeah. And hopefully you figured it out before you, you know, before or while you have kids. If you haven't figured it out, get, you know, get an education because you can't teach your kids something that you don't do. When I got out of school, I wanted to teach philosophy in grade school and high school. And uh, had a my philosophy counselor. He was he was like, well, you know, most people are not able to do that at that age. You know, it, it, abstract reasoning about stuff is just not everybody is just not everybody's bag. And some some people never you know grow to want to do that or whatever. And uh, so black and white is more comfortable. Everything yeah. is defined. Yeah. We were talking before this about yeah, exactly. trying to fit humanity into boxes. And if we can yeah. just create enough boxes with enough labels to perfectly organize everyone and everything and, and yeah. that everybody is and who you are and who you are and who you are and who you are and what you do. And blah, 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 blah. if we can just define everything and make everything black and white and well-defined, life will be simple. And that's just yeah. not reality. Life is gray as fuck always. It's it's good as long as you stay inside where those boxes were, you know. But once once you get out into new experiences and stuff, then the old rules don't always apply. Yeah, you got to work your way through them. Well, people live in those boxes. They live in a community or they live in a – they choose – to live by a certain set of rules or whatever. And they, and they, anything Mm -hmm. that messes with that just completely like rattles them. And then they just avoid it and shut it out of their life and go back to their little box and their little, you know, whatever their family, their community, their, whatever their little black and white definition of life is. And they just ignore the other 8 billion people on the planet. Starting to sound too, like a, uh, uh, a description of resilience, you know, more situation, uh, ability to navigate more situations, uh, kind of, kind of starts is starting to sound like resilience to me. The ability to navigate through different situations instead of limiting your experience, so you don't run into unfamiliar, uncomfortable situations. Yep, it's all tied together. All right. Fun. We're gonna we're gonna end there because we are at our hour and we have this is our what fourth attempt at recording this tonight. I was gonna say we've been at this uh, I think seven eight almost three, three, like three four hours. hours four hours we didn't have as many technical five. issues as before. We've been on since but, five. Yeah. It's four hours. Yeah, trying to get this recorded. Um, oh, it's ten. I was so thinking it was nine. It's ten. We did have. I'm so mad at myself for not hitting record. Um, a two-hour heated debate yeah. <laughs> about yeah. about uh, transgender social uh. con- concepts, um, LGBTQIA plus social norms. Arriving at a definition of what it is. Yeah, and I just 
want to let everybody know that we had we decided like a month ago that we wanted to do some do a an episode on that topic and discuss that um and from a parenting perspective. So what do you do when you're parenting and your your, your female child tells you that she wants to be a boy, you know, or whatever. Um, we want to talk about that inside of the parenting frame framework, how to address those things in a way that won't cause harm because that's what we're doing here. Um, no matter what your values are, no matter what your values are, how you can parent, that situation right. without causing harm. So we're not telling you what to believe yeah. in. We're just giving you the skills to have the discussion and not cause harm to your child. Um, yeah. And we do want to do that. And we had a, a nice little intro to that topic between you and I before this. Um, and yeah. we will be addressing that this summer in one of our solo episodes or um, possibly with a guest who is part of that community. So I actually just had a thought. thought We haven't. I just had a thought of who I could invite to have that discussion with us. So I'll have to talk to her. Cool. Um, Cool. So three, four, I told you two when we were talking, I have, I just thought of four very, like very, very close people that I know in my life who are members of that community. So anyway, um, Thank you for being here. We are back weekly. We will have a guest next week and we will continue um, recording every week, releasing on Thursdays and discussing hard parenting topics, anything from hard parenting topics to just general, um, the newest, latest research on any parenting topic that we can think of until more people start writing to us. I do have a parent email that um, we'll do an episode on this summer as well. Um, But yeah. So write to us, Jenny. Is anybody monitoring the comments? Um, Yeah. I get notified um, anytime there's a comment. And so far we either are getting, we're just getting supportive or (laughs) non-supportive comments no questions or tangible oh, i want to see the non-supportive ones they're on um most of them are on the youtube shorts the little short videos oh really yeah 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 the little 15 I second like ones that pop i guess up. i can go in and look at them go okay. see them yeah right. you can go see them <laughs> yeah there's a hundred of them i don't want to have to look at all of them i want a little notice too um i'll look around so yeah I'll look so we all of that is upcoming. We have a lot more guests this summer. Um, and yeah, go support us on Patreon. Cool. Um, we are starting to reach out to sponsors and start to get that rolling. So you guys are going to start hearing, probably going to start hearing ads. Yay. Plugs, if plugs. you are listening and you own a business or are an entrepreneur or whatever, and you want to be in our ad role, um, I am opening sponsor slots, ad slots to people that I know personally first. Um, so if you are wanting to advertise with us, uh, shoot me an email or a text and we will get that up and running. We have 
21 episodes now to start inserting your ads. So lots of airtime if you're interested. Um, Otherwise. And a couple of controversial shorts, I understand. Keep it relational, y'all, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, did you learn anything new? Or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.